10, 5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits, cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. Coming up, a very busy week in A-State Athletics, we'll talk about Everything that's going on, men's and women's golf, cross country, soccer. We'll talk about the football home opener, everything that went on around the Memphis game last Saturday. Get you ready for Stony Brook coming up this week. But we're going to start with A-State Volleyball. And for that, we've got our man, the second-year head coach of the Red Wolves, Brian Gerwig. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Happy to be 7-2, and two, so... I bet you're happy to be seven and two. So if we had this conversation three weeks ago and I told you you'd be seven and two at this point, would you be happy, surprised? Is this where you expected to be at this point or have you exceeded expectations a little bit? With such a young roster, you don't want to set those high expectations for the team. We have to win. We have to win. I think we have to grow from week to week. But looking at our schedule, looking at the non-conference and kind of knowing where our sophomores were, I had this expectation. I think we were going to compete and the wins and losses will, some will go our way and some won't. And I'm looking more for the growth of the team, the growth of the roster and the skill development at this point in the season. So I'm thrilled that we're seven and two. By no means was that talked about in preseason. Was that an expectation put on our kids? I was just hoping to control the ball and put some pressure on the other opponent. And then we'll see where the ball falls. In the meantime, I'll say this a little bit about volleyball coaches in general, but certainly about Coach Gerwig here specifically. If you ask him, going into a match what's likely to happen you're going to get a pretty honest response i mean not a lot of coach speaking there and i don't mean necessarily with the team but if we're just chatting hey how do you think this weekend shakes out he's going to tell you and he's going to be right in the ballpark more times than not well i appreciate that we uh, we do our best to scout the opponent and make sure we're preparing the team to the best of our ability to make sure we're ready to go on the weekend so let's go back because you came in Last year, it was your first year, so you took over this program, a program that you knew very well already from your time here as an assistant coach under David Rear. But anytime you take over a program, you know there's going to be some trials. And when you stepped in last year, it got off to a good start, won five of the first six games, but there was a stretch where your team lost 18 consecutive matches. And Brad and I would sit here on this podcast every single week and kind of shake our heads because you were competitive in so many of those matches. It was a matter of just getting over that hump. Talk about how you guys were able to keep a positive mindset and kind of push through all of that stuff last year. It's funny you mentioned that because after our, I guess it was the sixth win this past weekend, I sat the team down and told them, I was like, it took us 19 matches to get to this point last year. And some of them had forgotten about it. Some of them don't know what I was talking about. But yeah, we lost 18 straight. Last year, having the growth mindset, making sure that our team was focused on what are our weaknesses? Why are we losing? How are we mentally stronger so that this doesn't continue to happen? And we were preaching a lot of we're preparing for November. 
that this is not about being good right now. I knew what the weaknesses were. I knew that ball control was a little shaky, that we didn't quite have the killers in the positions that we wanted, and that we were very young, that we were we were a split roster, having you know four seniors, but they were under a different regime, and then now bringing in a competitive mentality. And it was just different, and we saw things different ways. So I was lucky enough to coach them and have them mentor our younger players. And I want to say this. I remember talking to you, I don't know, when the streak was up there, 14, 15. And you were so remarkably positive still at that point. Just even in the midst of that streak, you felt like your team was still trending in the right direction. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at somebody like Yaz and bringing Yaz in, and she was supposed to redshirt last year. And then injuries and pregnancy and things like that happened on our roster, and Yaz was playing full-time. And she was brought into redshirt, and you see the player she is now. And if I'd been given a year with her, I think that development, you know, it would have happened. But I don't know how fast it would have happened because she was just forced into a role. And then to be able to recruit the Weersma twins in July. So we start in August and we met them July. I think it was like third. It's the first time I ever met them. And so it was really late in the process to be bringing athletes in. But we really wanted to say, like, this is the style of athlete we want. This is the kind of kid we like to coach. And we're going to build it. I'm trying to build a program here. I'm not just trying to have one transfer year where we're really good. And then, it, you know, we dud out the next year. Like, I think we have right now a model for sustained success. And so we're pushing. And I think we've, we've got some really talented players in some areas. And we're working on improving our weaknesses every week. I know it's hard to believe that something can be impressive or encouraging those are not adjectives you hear in the midst of an 18 match win streak and we'd sit here and it was almost week by week it was almost bless their hearts because they keep losing close and these suckers just won't quit they just got to keep getting back at that spot again the next set and the next match and even set after set and match after match when that key point wouldn't go their way they just kept coming yeah, every week. And I remember I was at Texas State and I was doing an interview like this with with the commentator that was going to do the match. And he made a statement to me that I will never forget for the rest of my coaching career. And he said, you know, are you teaching the team to lose? And I was so angry because I was like, what do you don't accuse me of that? Like, are you serious? Like, look at my roster. And he came back and he was like, well, statistically, you're winning in the hitting battle. You're winning the defense at the digging battle. You're pretty solid at the net. He's like, but every time you just find a way to lose. So like, what culture are you building? And I went back to the team and I was hot. I was like, that nobody accuses <laughs> me does of that. that? Yeah, he's, he was an old volleyball coach. He knows what he's doing, but it was the fuel that I needed. Like, I got to call him and thank him. Because no, I know the president over there. I can have a word with him we, about we this. Familiar with them, aren't we? And uh, yeah, I think that was the fuel that maybe I needed as a coach, because we, you know, we got the, with the Texas State, they mopped the floor with us set one or match one, and then we came back in five and we had them beat, and that was the moment that you saw the team turn the corner. And maybe it took me turning the corner and getting mad and saying, "This is what I believe, and this is what we do." And then you watched us go. I mean, we won what four of our last seven matches, yep. and three of them went to extra sets. We made it all the way to the fifth, and I mean, we're the only team to advance through the Sun Belt Conference tournament. So, looking forward to. We're not going to catch anybody off guard this year, and hoping that we can put together a similar run when we get to the end of the year. Well, you got hot at the right time, and I do want to talk about the way the season ended because it was so fun to keep up with you guys and and to watch everything that happened once you got to the conference tournament. And you had won a couple of matches there late, beat ULM and both of your matches with them. 
But you were playing well going into the conference tournament. You win the first match. You win the second match. And you make it all the way to the Sun Belt quarterfinals. And you've got match point against Troy. And I, I know the way it ended was heartbreaking. But at the same time, you were able to take a little momentum into the offseason after what happened there at the conference tournament. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've watched that five or six points back. If, if I'd say 30 times, 40 times, I mean, that'd be underestimating. I've watched, I watched it this past week. I've watched that run. and then You got to stop, buddy. It, I watched the Louisiana run. We don't talk much about that. We were up 23 to 13 and we lose. And they embarrassed us. Like if there's, if I can ever call to action for our fan base, when Louisiana shows up here at the end of this month, like I need everybody there because that match is personal. And we were up 23, 13 and we got stuck in a rotation and they ran it back on us and they posted it everywhere on social media. And then to get all the way to the conference tournament, we're building, we're winning and we're up 14, 11 and we get stuck in that same rotation. And it's one of those coaching moments where it's, everything that I can do to stop the match and try to get them to miss a serve or try congrats to Macy Putt. Like she played the scouting report perfectly, knew exactly where to put the ball exactly. I mean, she hit a kid in the face and it was a perfect dig. And so sometimes the cards just don't fall your way. And no matter how hard we try, they, the kids did exactly what I was asking them to do. And we just fell one point shy. So if it's really personal though, you can stop calling them Louisiana. Yep. Yeah. It's the first thing you can do. Lafayette or Asian hey, Asians there. there we go. Yeah, they they are never going to be the University of Louisiana to me. So, it's Well, it, there's a simple explanation for that cuz that's not their name. Oh, man, they they're trying to change it, aren't they? Especially for your returners. And maybe even for kind of you as a young head coach and but for everybody, like how big was it to finally kind of get to the pay window because they did just kind of keep coming and coming and coming and it wouldn't go their way. So kind of what changed or kind of how much relief and how much sort of, uh, I guess, justification of what you guys were doing when it finally went their way for that stretch at the end? You've got to look back at the Sun Belt. We obviously are an East and West split division and the West side of conference historically is extremely strong. And going through South Alabama, trying to go through Texas State, they're just tough programs. Adding Southern Miss to this is, you know, they're also a tough program. So it's kind of a meat grinder on our side. And we knew that going in, and that's much different than what conference was when I was here as an assistant and being able to play everybody and have both sides of conference. It, it just There's other teams that I think are easier to play, but that prepares us for when we're going to the conference tournament. And it's nice. You watch Bailey Helzer kind of had her coming out party at Texas State, and we were able to ride her for the rest of the year. And that kid's a true gamer, and we're real excited to see what she's going to do for the rest the year we were talking about this before we started recording today just how much recruiting you've done since you arrived on campus you're starting your second year but you look at this roster right now you've almost completely flipped it and you look at the players that you inherited there's very few that you inherited on this current roster this is a very young team but I like what you said earlier it's a very young team but that doesn't mean you don't expect them to win right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have high standards for my team, and my assistants stop me all the time saying it's almost too high of standards. But I want to win. I want to win right now, and that's not at the expense of our kids. That's pressure on me to make sure that I'm every week reevaluating our squad. Where are we at? How can we score more points? How can we stop the opponent? And are we training the right way? Do we have the right kids on the floor? And, I mean, Elida Denser has had the best – preseason she's so motivated right now and she wasn't a kid that was mine but she definitely is mine and love that kid to death and we've been in the gym 
oh, man, she's been in there at least an extra hour, if not two, every single day working on her game. And it showed this weekend. She was one of the... She's s- from Turkey. She is. Yep. Came to us actually through Temple. So she came into Temple when she got to the States and then transferred to us before I got here. Um, and she was a kid that has seen a lot of different coaching styles, a lot of different systems. And being a foreign player, foreign athlete, the way they play ball is very slow. And it doesn't mean that they aren't talented. They're extremely talented, but we play fast. So it's a, just a different different rhythm and props to her for adjusting. You know, other sports, and you think about tennis, think about golf. You see a lot of international recruits there. You see that on the volleyball front as much, or is that uncommon? It's very common. It just yeah. depends on what type of program you want to build what are you valuing when it comes to are you looking for ball control are you looking for six rotation outside so you looking for there's just different skill sets that come from abroad and i mean we're looking at it next year and i think there might we might have an opportunity to bring in another foreign player um, but it just takes the right fit i'm so much about fit about culture making sure that we have a great group right now and the culture will be different next year from this year even if we don't bring in another person but i just want to make sure that the kids coming in have that competitive nature have that growth mindset and we're working all towards winning a conference title and they're not just here to get into the states to then go find another program you're young which for the bulk of your coaching career would be a great thing to be it's a little bit different right now in the current climate with the portal so how has that whether you want to talk about this sport wide or or your own philosophy how has the transfer portal changed the way you recruit because you're in a sport where you can go out in the summer and you go one place and you can go watch a seventh grader if you want to not but can you do it yeah but you know (laughs) you you got one stop shopping for all these age groups correct does that still happen as much in the day of the portal Yes. We're still evaluating. We normally start with freshmen in high school, just purely watching and just saying, hey, who's really good? But you'll see females develop early. And that's, I think the portal maybe hits men's sports a lot harder because the development of males is so late that your junior, senior year, they're already signed, they're committed somewhere. And in volleyball, their growth happens early. And so then it's just the coordination, their jumping ability, things like that, that maybe some people miss on or whatever it happens to be. But we purposefully are going after the culture, going after kids that will be impact players, but we're not going to sacrifice the culture, sacrifice the thing that we have going just to get an elite level athlete. We want to make sure they fit with us. There's somebody, again, I got to spend, and this weekend was three hours on a bus. Sometimes we're going to have six, seven, eight hours on a bus or an airplane ride. And essentially we're spending three to four years with them. And if they're not somebody that I want to be around, somebody that I want representing the program, then we'll look for somebody else. So there's lots of kids out there and we will be looking at the portal as we go into next year, because I think last year, the athletes that we had access to because of our record, we were nine and 21, I think, and they didn't want to come to us because athletes are looking for winners. And the ones that did like Tegan's an amazing transfer to get and being at Austin P and, you know, we told her, we're like, this is, you can come in and make an impact fast. And we have the ball control, we have the middles, we have some talented outsides, and we're looking for this piece. And she was the perfect culture piece, and she's lit the world on fire since she got here. So we use it. It's just not our first spot that we go to. But if you get the vibe, you're talking to a kid that physically and talent-wise you like, and when you get into that conversation, you get the vibe that they don't want to come here because you weren't winning. Doesn't that kind of tell you something about that kid? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, whether we're winning or losing, if we're committing – 
the kids, the family. I'll go after high school coaches and people that have competed against them, club coaches. We'll go after high schools. So we're going after like their guidance counselors or teachers. And it's, I want to know what are they like off the court? What do they, how do they treat people around them? Because that will take you so much farther. I want kids that are going to be in my program. They're going to walk through and help us clean up that aren't going to leave a mess that aren't going to disrespect people. I don't have to worry about, you know, going in the gym and they're blaring obscene music and I got to hear it all day long. Like it's a certain type of athlete that we're looking for and your barrier for entry, there is a barrier and you've got to definitely fit with our roster. And I'm not going to sacrifice that either, but there's so many athletes out there. Look to me like it's a tell, like if all literally like if a kid says, well, ah, you know, you're not winning. Like that's going to tell me something about that kid. Well, that's, maybe I didn't want that kid as much as I thought because I want that kid that says you're not winning. That's why you need me. Correct. And I think you're you're talking. I mean, uh, you talked to Brian Hodgson with basketball. Like all those kids that are buying into him, buying into the dream. We have the same thing with us. The people are buying into the staff. They're buying into the dream. Like we recruited. You can argue 14 or 16, 16 kids in 12 months. That's insane. And to build 14 of them are on campus right now, but then we got two more coming next year. And we just got another commitment about a couple of weeks ago for the 2025 class. And we're getting the kids we want now. And it's not a fight where in the beginning it was a huge fight. Kids were just like, well, and a lot of it was club coaches that have known me for 10 plus years or athletes that I was recruiting somewhere else or one of my assistants was recruiting somewhere else and they believe in us and then selling us, selling the system, selling what we're going to do. It's not where we are right now. People within the program, people around the program see where we're going, but it's convincing people that maybe aren't as familiar with the program that this is where we're going and this is what we're able to do, whether the record showed it last year or not. One person that fits your culture very well is somebody that you can throw into that goat conversation at Arkansas State, and that term gets thrown around way too much these days in the sports world, but you can certainly put that on Carlisa May. You brought her in as an assistant coach this offseason. She was in on this podcast a couple of months ago, and I remember when she was hired, Caleb put it in the press release, a quote from you saying, as great as she was as a player, she's an even better coach. So that's saying a lot about what you think of her coaching skills. No, oh, Car's amazing. And first and foremost, she's a death check for me. She's been around me not only as a player, and I coached her for two years, but then coached with her for a couple of years at Houston. And then she got to go out on her own and kind of see it done another way. And we've been having, even this past week, we've been having issues with a couple of players and I just sat car down. I was like, car, is it me? Like, is, is, am I being too hard? Am I asking too much? And she's like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, I know that comes from a place of love and that she's not being mean. She's not trying to tell me that I need to change. She's just saying like, give the kid a break. She'll be okay. We'll get through. But Carr's known me through so many different stages of my career and she speaks my language. She knows exactly what I'm talking about and how I communicate. And she does a great job mentoring the kids. She really truly cares about the kids and cares about their improvement and willing to spend the extra time and make sure that these kids are getting the love and the care that they need. Conference plays right around the corner. Oh, we're excited. Of course, you got another tournament coming up this weekend. I know you'll be in Springfield, Missouri State hosting their tournament, but the following weekend you'll be at Georgia Southern. The Sun Belt is a very good volleyball league, but when you look at your team going into conference play this year as compared to last year, your first year, talk about how you feel. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we might move up a slot on our side, at least to start. I think people are going to respect us a little bit more than what they were last year. And conference is just so solid. 
we had five top 25 wins last week as a conference and the top of conference is extremely strong and especially with the struggles in the power five now becoming the four or whatever it's going to be called there's a lot of transfers a lot of people are able to pick up some talent and get good real quick but nobody's going to overlook us this year Last year, we were that kind of gimme game, and people were, we'll get the win and we'll move on. And this year, I think everybody's going to give us their best shot, and we're, we're excited to see where we fall throughout conference. And, I mean, I definitely think we have a chance to make a run at it, and we proved that last year. And we'll just kind of see on a week-to-week basis how people are playing and, and what advantages we have, what disadvantages they have. And I think it comes down to us as a staff and how strong we are, how well we know the opponent, and are we able to manipulate and kind of get the game in our favor instead of theirs. So, you know, the comments you made about the Cajuns and that match and what it means to you, surely the goodness you're that match for ULM by now, aren't you? I mean, I, I think that in order to be rivals, the opponent has to win. <laughs> So no offense to them, but they've had a coaching state. I love Charlie. Their old head coach, Charlie, was was an amazing human being. Great, great, great guy. Did some good things for ULM, and um, they've changed head coaches in the offseason. And he seems to have them on a good direction. So we, we can't overlook them. That is a game that statistically, historically, we win. But now can we? Because they yeah. want everything we got, and so we're going to have to show up and play. Yeah, I hesitated to bring it up because it is, I mean, it is a ridiculous streak it's crazy in or above 40 straight mm-hmm. i mean it's something that mathematically makes no sense like i said so i'm, I'm you know, knocking on wood and doing all the things to make sure it didn't now, i'm wondering if there's any streak like that in the conference in any sport i remember there was a streak the cajun baseball team had one over ulm that was around 30 games at one point but nothing like a 40 plus win streak yeah it's not something i look at <laughs> it's uh i don't want to put don't that blame you, yeah. I, I yeah. don't put that extra pressure on the team i want them to show up play loose play free and it doesn't matter the opponent we're going to do our job as a staff make sure we're scouting them we're knowing what advantages we can use and making sure that whatever they're trying to do to us we clean it up and and try to win but i mean i think that last year was tough there's a lot of teams that got to beat up on us that that haven't in a long time and this year's our revenge tour and you're going to see us roll through conference and do some things that maybe people aren't expecting because this is this is my chance to say, uh-uh, you got us last year, you ain't getting us this year. You know, Caleb's in here, and I know he does the social media. That hashtag revenge tour yeah, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I like good. it. It does. We'll be in a good shirt. Thanks. Red Wolves revenge tour with the conference schedule. We just got to back it up. Hey, let's when we, as we get towards the end of season, if we've done it, then we'll we'll print some shirts. But until then, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna lock no, down. No, you need to be wearing those during warm up. Oh man, <laughs> I wish I, I wish I had that amount of confidence. But I, I like to sit back and make sure we're prepared as a staff, prepared as a team, and then let their actions uh, fight it out on the court. I do want to ask you about something. This is I know a different tone here, and we've talked about your late wife, Molly, a lot during your first trip in on the podcast, but I thought it was really neat when you went to Houston Christian a couple of weeks ago, that tournament was named after Molly. Mm-hmm. How was that for you? What what did that mean to you? It was everything. I mean, it was awesome to go back and a place where I spent some time, have a lot of really great memories there and so many of my friends were there. I mean, I got to just people from church came out. Molly's mom was down there. Trent, the head coach of Houston Christian is an amazing guy and He's going to have that tournament every year in her honor. Um, Fantastic. I would love to continue to go back and just continue to be a part of it. And the impact that she made is it's never ending. And it's amazing to pay it forward and, again, be able to mentor these young women that I have right now and hopefully make a positive impact in their lives as we move forward. 
It's great to see you, man. No, it's good to see you guys, too. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate this. Good luck this weekend and the rest of the way. We'll certainly be keeping up with you every step. No, thank you. Appreciate that. That's Brian Gerwig joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. More to come right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities, make a monthly commitment, and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at Impact Club Thank you, and Wolves up. Football team playing its home opener over the weekend against Memphis, 18,724, the attendance the other night. Was that our biggest crowd since pre-COVID? You know, I went looking at the same thing, and the stats I saw said they might have had a crowd just over 20 at James Madison last year. Okay. That, that was a pretty good crowd, but I will tell you, just the atmosphere itself from the tailgate atmosphere to the red wolf walk i thought the student section was as good as it's been in a Mm. long time it was full the other night the weather it was a really good game day atmosphere (laughs) it was i mean and everything with you buddy i mean the game entertainment i mean an awful good an awful lot and we're going to talk about the game. But, you know, an awful lot went right. And there's people, you know, Davey Carter, Ted Hergett, and their crowd yeah. have to put on that Alpha Pack tailgate really brought a lot to the pregame. But the Red Wolf Walk was the best in a long time. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Scott actually was in the press box. He texted me a couple of pictures of it out the window from the press box. And it was great. I mean, literally people all the way to the stadium it's exactly what you want that to be students we had begged and begged basically and offered different incentives and they turned out and then stayed i mean really they were great i mean a bunch went right and there's stuff that didn't and we'll keep getting after that and try it again on saturday and i'll tell you this coach jones when we sat down to do the tv show sunday morning that's what he said he said everything was perfect just the atmosphere it's everything they wanted He said, I'm just sorry we couldn't deliver on the field. And you see the way this game started? You didn't see the final result coming, the way that game started the other night. What was the score at halftime? It was 24-3. to And and you and I, we we crossed paths at halftime. I was like, this does not feel like a three-touchdown game. That was a a tightly contested game. Well, just because of the way the defense kind of came out and set the tone. I mean – they came out against a good Memphis offense and had back-to-back three and outs to start the game and gave us good field position on those first couple of drives. And even later on in that first quarter, they kind of bent, but they didn't break. Memphis hit a 47-yard field goal, had another field goal attempt later on that they missed. I mean, it's 3 nothing early in the second quarter, but we've watched enough football, our listeners know that you go minus four in the turnover category 
it's hard to beat anybody, much less a good team like Memphis. And that's what happened. Yeah, the defense really had a nice night. And, and they, that played, was with, they played well enough to win. And that was with kind of, you know, the goalposts kept moving on them in terms of your guys going down and having to do it with different personnel. But they hung in there. And you mentioned being minus four. And, and two of them were killers because obviously a pick six is directly to points. But big time, big time momentum change with the one down in the red zone. Yeah, the fumble in the red zone when we had a really nice drive going. You remember the double pass and the last couple of years we really haven't seen that many trick plays and we sneak Wyatt Beagle onto the field and he's a former quarterback that's now playing wide receiver for us and JT throws a pass out in the flat to him and gets it back to JT for a 24-yard gain and Man, the, the atmosphere at that point, I mean, the crowd was electric. They were into the game. Shroud throws it left side, caught by Beagle. Back to Shroud. Shroud across midfield, 40, 35, 30. JT knocked out of bounds at the 27-yard line. Beagle, the former quarterback, came in and on the lateral threw it back to Shroud. A gain of 23, Beagle the Shroud. We saw Zach Wallace on the very next play carry it for 11 yards into the red zone, but that's when the fumble came, and it just seemed to kind of suck the life out of everything at that point. Because what Memphis do, like they did what you do on a sudden change, right? Throw a bomb. You get a turnover deep, sudden change, and you try to hit, back it up with a big play, and that's what they did. So, yeah, like I said, man, a lot went right. I mean, even on the field, I would still say that. I mean, like we talk about the job the defense did, and for a big, big, big stretch of that game seemed an awful lot closer than the final score would indicate. Yeah, you saw guys on that defensive line that did not finish the game. Micah Bland and Tank Sudrick at defensive tackle. Ethan Hassler had to leave in the first half. Was impressed with the way Thurman Gathers came in and played a defensive end. He had probably his best game as a Red Wolf. On the left hash is. Hennigan claps his hands for it. Steps up in the pocket. Under pressure and he's sacked. Back at the 11-yard line. It was Thurman Gathers coming up from his defensive end position to make the play. He had eight tackles, one and a half for a loss. And Keyron Crawford, the Memphis native, sophomore at defensive end, he looked good. He had six tackles, two and a half for a loss. Had a sack. So even with the defensive line thin the other night, there were some guys that really stood out up front. Yeah, really the only thing about Kieran's night is I thought he would have named more NBA teams in 15 seconds than he ended up naming there in the videotape contest we played in the third quarter break. How many did he get? Yeah, it was like five or six. The contestant beat him. Okay. Now, even with the colorful language. <laughs> All right, so you brought that up. I didn't know what was going on. I was dealing with whatever was going on during the break. I didn't know that somebody was cussing on the on the mic. And obviously, and I bless her heart. And talking to kind of my staff and Brandon Baxter after it, like she was so excited to do it, but just unbelievably nervous about doing it. And then like this ain't broadcast, right? There's no delay. It's just she's out there in front of eighteen thousand people on a live mic, and her excitement uh. got the best of her. Well, you look at that offense, though, and I know people are frustrated. I know the staff, the players are are frustrated. J.T. Shrout and Jackson Daly both played at quarterback. J.T. got shaken up in the second half, so Jackson came in and played, I guess, the last quarter plus 
of the ball game. And you know, Jackson did some good things. He was nine of fifteen for sixty-three yards. And Coach Jones talked about it in his post-game interview with us. He said, "We'll see who's starting at quarterback this week." And I know that's one thing we'll pay attention to. Will Jackson Daly start? Will we see the true freshman Jalen Rayner get some reps this week? And it was a good competition and one that Coach Jones said was as close of a competition as he's seen during a preseason camp. Ultimately, J.T. Shrout won the starting job at the beginning of the year due to his experience. But Jackson Daly's a redshirt freshman. Jalen Rayner, a true freshman. And these are two young, talented guys that might get a look soon. I would think, and obviously you saw considerably more than I did in camp, because people want to talk about Rainer. So what I think what you notice, like if you see Jalen Rainer out there, right, the ceiling might be the highest there in terms of just the different ways he can make plays. Now, but what happens in those spaces between those peaks? Because he's the youngest of the bunch, maybe the most inconsistencies in there. But he shows you things when he's out there that, that it's clear what this staff sees in him. One thing that we've seen for a long time now, and – I'll just say this about just the quarterback position in general. It's not just the Sun Belt Conference. It's throughout the world of college football. The teams that seem to be the most successful have a quarterback that's a threat to run. Those dual threat guys, and you don't have to be a Freddie Knighton type, but at least make the defense hold the quarterback accountable. Now, we have seen JT run the football a couple of times here in the last couple of weeks, but... You look at the teams that have had success here in the past, here in the past decade, with guys like Ryan Applin, Freddie Knighton, even Justice yeah. Hansen, who was certainly a much better runner than most six four, six five quarterbacks that you'll see. They were all a threat to run the football. You wonder how much a part of the offense that will be going forward. It's a lot of stuff we'll still find out. And honestly, I mean, we'll sure mention it again at the end, but Hey, another reason to to come out Saturday night and see who strolls out there. Yep, Stony Brook coming up this Saturday at 6. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we return to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize you're home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Destiny Rogers, and I'm asking you to help our student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that highlights our commitment to teamwork while raising awareness and support for our local community programs. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team letters, special gear, and exclusive access that you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student athletes and in the future of our sports program. Wolves up. Busy week across the world of A-State athletics. A lot of stuff going yeah, busiest on. Busiest so far. As we record this, the men's golf team is playing the second of three days at the Golf Week Fall Challenge. That's at Pauley's Island, South Carolina. As for the women... 
currently competing at the Jennifer Duke Invitational in Cincinnati. That wraps up on Tuesday as well. And I've been able to talk with MJ Davian Shaw a little bit about her team. She has a completely new team this year, so she's trying yeah. to figure out her rotation and I think she's been a little bit surprised some of the young players that have stood out for you know you ride the wave of being old and experienced and especially when you do it and you have the best player in history of the program coming through yeah it's gonna be a new look but I do think you're right she liked what she's seen so far look forward to seeing how they compete and you know we know through one round to start the season the men got off to a real nice start and so just such a big fan of both of the golf coaches and the jobs they've done yeah, Coach Hagen's team, I believe third out of 14 teams at that event after one day of play. Cross-country team will be in action this Saturday. They'll be in Memphis competing at the Rhodes Invitational. Soccer team just had one match this past mm. week. They dropped a one nothing contest, excuse me, 1-0 <laughs> contest to Oklahoma State last Thursday. That was at home. And the one goal came in the second minute. Yeah. You just have to take my word for it because I'm taking Coach Dooley's word for it. This was an Oklahoma State team that was known for an explosive offense. They had scored a bunch of goals. And to get here and and get one in the second minute and not get anything else, man, what a performance uh, by the soccer team. I think they had 33 shots the other day, and nine shots were on goal, including a penalty kick that Olivia Luther was able to save so she did a really good job in goal and coach McClure was telling me that that wasn't even the scheduled starter she was a, a late scratch and Olivia got in there and then played great volleyball team of course we had our conversation with coach Gerwig a little bit earlier but uh, they'll be at the Bear Invitational in Springfield Missouri this weekend they'll take on Western Illinois and Lindenwood on Friday and then they'll take on the host team Missouri State on Saturday, he said that's a good Missouri State team, but typically is, yeah. You, know, you win those three, and you can be as good as ten and two going into conference play next week. Which even that starts on the road. So I mean, they would, you know, after uh, that opening weekend at home, they go four straight weekends away from here before they finally get back at the end of the month. And of course, the football team back in action on Saturday. Stony Brook is in town. Had to look and see exactly where Stony Brook was located there in Long Island, New York. The Red Wolves and the Sea Wolves. Yeah, we can have a little bit of fun with that. The Red Wolves and the Sea Wolves coming up Saturday at 6, and our coverage begins at 4 on the EAB Red Wolves Sports Network. But And I know we talked about it earlier. The atmosphere was just – it reminded you of just how good it can be. And that's just with – 18,000 plus you know we've seen the days where it was consistently over 20 but that crowd and how into it they were especially early in the game the other night everything leading up to the game it reminds you just how good it can be but it takes the people right the secret sauce is not the promotions it's not the in-game contest it's not the music it's not the volume it's not any of that the secret sauce is the people We can do the exact same stuff the exact same way from a marketing and game production standpoint Saturday, and if there's not much of a crowd, people are going to think it sucked. The exact same things that people like this past Saturday will suck this coming one if there aren't people. And 
listen, I get it, man. I understand. I understand why you're frustrated, and that's fine because you're not. None of us are more frustrated than the people in that north end zone in that football operations center. Frustrated's fine. Just hang in there. Let's just keep plugging away at it and kind of all get this thing turned around together. This is what it's going to take. I mean, there will be. Are there people going to bail? Absolutely. There's a whole lot of fans that weren't fans before 2011, so they don't know what. As Dusty Rhodes would say, they don't know what hard times are. Let's just dig in. Let's show up. Let's make some noise. And I can promise you, we'll all play a role in getting that thing turned around and headed our direction. It's Hal's birthday party. How could you be mean to Hal? Yeah, show up for Hal's birthday. We had Caleb Garner in here earlier. We do need to say happy belated birthday to him. And thank you, Caleb, for setting up that visit with Ryan Gerwig. Really enjoyed it. Anybody notice what brand motorcycle Hal rides? An Indian? It's an Indian. I think that's perfect. <laughs> Anything else we need to mention? First, hey, if you're listening to this and you were there Saturday, thank you because it was yeah. really, really good. And and I just say let's let's do it again. And then after this week, let's turn around, do it one more time next week. And you know the indication to me too, and you've mentioned this so many times. It doesn't take a huge crowd to make that place loud. Nope. Just the way that stadium is set up, but. Listening back to part of our broadcast the other night and the crowd behind what we were saying in the booth, it sounded so good. I mean, you could tell how much everybody was into it again. And I want to go back and listen to that because I don't get that from my vantage point. Yeah. And of course, you can't really, but I can't see what the west side looks like and i really can't hear it because we only have a small window at the top that opens and so i mean i'm kind of in a lab of sorts and so i really get shielded off from a lot of it so i'm, I'm glad to hear you say that again thanks to brian gerwig for coming in for brad i'm matt have a great week everybody we'll see you saturday